Hey guys, so before we start this episode, um, I didn't forget, last week I mentioned at the end of the episode that I wanted to know what you guys did to uh, conquer your fears, right? And um, I have one Facebook message that I wanted to read to you guys um, that I got. And honestly, it it's really, really good. So um, Sarah Mattis, she is a photographer in West Virginia. Um, she is the owner of Joyful Portraits Online. Um, that is the website, joyfulportraitsonline.com. And so this was her message. She put, this weekend I hosted a boudoir marathon. I met with eight beautiful women in an Airbnb to capture them in a sexy and empowering way. I think most of them were out of their comfort zone coming to me for this type of session. I am so proud of myself and all the ladies who joined me. Together, we overcame fears and created art. Well, I think that is so amazing. And I'll be real. I've never done a boudoir session ever. Um, and yeah, I can see how that can be completely out of your comfort zone. Um, you know, a lot of women including myself, don't feel comfortable to show ourselves like that, especially on camera. Um, So for them to get out of their element like that and create uh, art, literally, I mean, our bodies are art. Um, That is so amazing. And I'm so glad that she did that. So, but yeah, I mean, guys, if you are ever in the West Virginia area, definitely look her up. She is an amazing photographer. Um, like I said, she's she is an actual friend of mine on Facebook, and I see her photos all the time, and they are amazing. So definitely check her out. Once again, the website is joyfulportraitsonline.com. Okay, well, let's get into it. Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered. This weekly podcast is hosted by Rachel Thornhill, who speaks about her life as a race wife and also talks to other women in the racing industry about their left turns, spin outs, and wrecks on this racetrack we call life. Welcome back to Race Wife Unfiltered. I'm your host, Rachel Thornhill. And today for episode seven, we have a special guest with us today. Um, It is my best friend, the love of my life, my husband, Brandon. He's here with us today. I am. All right. I'm here. I was waiting to see how much longer you'd go with it. I like hearing getting talked up. You was inflating my ego. Really? I mean, you know, I could, but that's not really what this podcast is about. I mean, but, you know, I could still hype you up, I guess, if that's what you want. <laughs> no, I'll get, I'll get made fun of, I promise you. Somebody I know is going to, one of our friends is going to hear it, and I'll 
person. Mm, I mean, don't you think you probably would get clowned anyway because of the fact that I said you're my best friend and the love of my life and you're the best thing that's ever happened to me and all this stuff, right? Yeah, my <laughs> friends and they'll find they'll find a way to do it. So, but I do the same thing to them too so if I had the chance. Yeah, I know you would. So the reason why I have him on the podcast today is because I thought I'd do something a little different. Um, I hadn't put out any racing-related podcasts. And obviously, with the name Race Wife Unfiltered, you would automatically assume that there is some racing content. Well, of course, it is currently the off-season. Racing season is not started yet. So that's why... I haven't really had any racing content yet. So I felt today we could talk about um, what we normally do as a family in the off season and like how we prep for racing season. Um, Because if you guys didn't know, with us living here in Louisiana, obviously racing season starts very soon for us. in other places, obviously not due to weather, but here it's actually starting to get warm enough for racing season to start. So, um, so yeah, but um, I think I think the best thing to tell everybody is we don't really do much shit during the off season. <laughs> Let's just be real. I mean, there's not much going on. Except what possible? Except kind of just working on the car itself. That's about it. Well, it's taking everything apart and going through and checking stuff that kind of could have got bent or broke during the year that well, we didn't catch during weekly maintenance and time to kind of spend the extra money to fix certain things or upgrade certain parts. You know, we're not very big of a team. You know. We really can't afford to do what we're doing right now as it is, but we find a way to make it work. But most of the bigger teams are buying new cars, new engines, and stuff like that. And if we can get a used car, you know, in the off season, we're doing pretty good. But a lot of it is just going through, checking shocks, checking moving parts, make sure those moving parts move like they're supposed to, take the extra time to fix stuff that we were band-aiding to get through the season on to fix it right and maybe do a little bit of upgrading here and there as we can afford it. But I got a list made and probably by the time racing season actually starts, I'll probably about have, have about half of that list actually checked off. <laughs> and what, we just throw the other half of the damn list away, right? Yeah, next season. <laughs> it'll be next season. And then it'll, it'll get, it'll get not done too. So. <laughs> A lot of it is uh, that that part of the list is mainly like extra things, wish list type shit, and it don't always happen. Um, mainly due to financial constraints, or we just don't have time, or the patience, or <laughs> something. Financial is ninety percent of it. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, and for you guys that don't know, um, so Brandon races a crate late model you know dirt um so those are not cheap not cheap at all i don't care what anybody says 
Yeah, I mean, they're cheaper than the Super Lates, but mm, it's still it's still a huge like financial hit on, you know, a typical middle class family, I would say. It's not it's not um Yeah, if we were like making six figures and shit, yeah, easily we could afford this. But yeah, I mean, we're the typical middle class family and so um, we're doing this for fun. There's, there's really not, you know, there's no sponsorship money in there. There's, there's, there's nothing like that. Um, you know, we're, we're doing this on our own. We completely fund this ourselves 100%. So, you know, if we can't go race one weekend, we can't go race, you know, like that's just kind of how it goes. So, and I know he could probably back me up on that one. Yeah, yeah, man. There's a lot of weekends we sit parked and watch what goes on through Facebook and everybody else, and just wish we could be there. But that's just the way it goes. And, you know, when I grew up, we did it for a living, me and my dad, and we had to be out there every weekend, or the bills didn't get paid. But that was a different time when you could actually make a living doing it. Now those days are over, so now it's more of a fun type family bonding deal, and that's really what it's about anyway. So. And that's another big issue with off season is our daughter constantly complains every single day about it not being racing season. So, yeah. So our youngest Bianca is 14 and that's all she talks about. That's all she wants to do. She's always complaining about how, Oh, I hate when racing season's over cause we can't go racing anymore. And so, yeah, um, we, we don't hear the end of it. Until racing season starts again. And then she just gripes when we rain out or we can't go. <laughs> yeah, for the most part. <laughs> but, you know, um, I think I think one thing that would be good to talk about is, like, so that's, like, one thing that we really do as a family is racing. Racing is what brought us together, to be honest. So... Um, when, when I got with Brandon, that, he was already racing, like he, but he was racing go-karts at the time. And so, um, that's like, our relationship is, <laughs> was built around racing as well. And then, you know, when our kids came along, it's like, we, you know, racing was still a part of that. So, I mean, racing has been kind of our family thing um, from the very beginning. And I mean, we're talking about 17 years worth of it. So even though it wasn't always the same type of um, car, it was, you know, different things. We went from go-karts to mini sprints to a modified for like maybe what a week. <laughs> and then it got on fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, but after that, um, you know, then we, then obviously the, the late model was next. Um, we did, we did full size sprint car. Well, racing. yeah, I did full size sprint car racing my whole life with my dad. And then when I had to flip the bill myself, all I could afford was a go-kart. Yeah. And graduated to a mini sprint and then graduated to a modified and then graduated to a full size sprint car. And then the girls got it interested in motocross so we stopped car racing and went motocross racing and then 
that lasted a few years until they lost interest in it. And as they lost interest in it, I wanted to go back car racing. And that was something that kept bringing us together as a family. So we got back to car racing and we still have our whole family that plays together, stays together type motto going. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it even goes down to the, the number on the race car. Um, if you, I think you should explain that though. Not me. Yeah, so dad, dad used to do it when I was a kid and that was how we come up with our number. And so what I did is I sat down and I added up all four of our birthdays together. And then, so there's four of us and I divided that number by four until it dropped down to the first two digit number. The first two digit number that come up after dividing by four multiple times was our number. And then it's happened to be 68 so so it's it's a piece of all of us it's it gives us some meaning yeah no i agree and then also on the race car itself um our names are on um are on the race car too so um that was something that we've done pretty much with every car that we've had um that was something that always had us do that like that was just that never you know everybody involved had to be a part of it and even if they're not there every weekend or or they might come to one race a year there's still somebody that has some some type of contribution to the car and helping and, and they need to be recognized for it yeah i always thought i thought that was really cool and so like whenever we did it it's like it, it actually gives you a really good feeling um, because you, you realize like how much you've contributed to, to the success of, of the season. Um, because I mean, we're, we're our own crew. <laughs> I mean, you know, between myself and Brandon and then, uh, Bianca, like we're the ones that are out there turning wrenches and doing everything day in and day out like you know we don't have we don't have our own pit crew or anything like that you know we don't have a ton of people that help us um we do have some people outside of you know outside of just us that do help us every now and then and we are very appreciative of of that um but it's a very very small amount and it's limited it's not all the time so it's really just us there's not many people that will work for a cheeseburger. <laughs> no, not really. A lot of people that help us are people that are involved with the sport too. People, a lot of people that are actually already out there racing, you know, and that's kind of a the good thing about a family atmosphere out there is that if somebody that you, you know, especially somebody you're close with is struggling, you're over there helping them. You're giving them parts. You know, I, last race I raced against some guys and I blew a tire down, blew a tire out last lap still managed to finish second after the race was over i'm debating on loading the car up because we didn't bring any extra tires that night and next thing i know the guy just outran comes over and hands me a tire and tells me to put it on my car and get ready for the next round so yeah yeah and i mean that between borrowing people's tools because something happened and we didn't have the right tool you know i mean that that's an every night thing. It like at the end of the day, even if you're racing each other, yeah, I mean, 
you might be competition on the racetrack, but when you get off the racetrack, it's a totally different story. Like everybody helps each other. Everybody knows where each other's tools are. It's, there's guys that know my toolbox better than me, and I know other guys' toolbox better than mine because we share so much. Yeah. So um, the racing it, community is really a community. It, you know, it's not. Um, yeah, sometimes things get heated with people. I mean that, but that's just with any sport. You know, people get heated. They get upset. You know about different things and stuff. But once once you've gotten off the track and everything is over, most of those people are are, are like best friends at the end of the day. Like m- most of them are still friends, and they and they are always helping each other. And, you know, people don't really hold on to those grudges once the race is over. So, I mean. We've had so many people um, out there, you know, really accept us and help us, you know, when they really did not have to. Racing is definitely a community that supports itself. And if you didn't have that, people wouldn't stay in it. You know, you won't, it won't grow the sport. And that's what you got to do. I mean, you got to, you know, back, I remember dad would tell me stories from whenever he first started racing, how, a lot of the guys would purposely tell people the wrong thing to do just so they wouldn't for fear of getting outrun and then, or doing this or doing that, or, or, you know, convincing them that this part don't work or that part and, and making it harder for them. And then they quit. And, you know, dad told me he sat back and just looked and he's like, you're killing the hobby that you love to do because you're running people out of it because you're scared. Yeah. And, I mean, that's all it is. And that was, and, and, it's not like that nowadays. Everybody, I mean, I'm not, I'm a very stubborn person. I won't ask for help most of the time. I'll mm-hmm. fight, sit there and, but, you know, people see me struggling and next thing you know, I got hands underneath the car. Hey, what can I do to help? Or, hey, you need this part here. And it's the same way. If I see somebody that's wrecked or whatever, I'll run off the track. I'll run away from the grandstands or whatever. If I have time and I'm under the car with them trying to help them get it back together. I've actually almost missed our race because I was over here helping somebody else. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've had to go get him because he's, I'm like, Hey, you're up and you're under somebody else's car. You need to come on. Like, I know you want to help, but you, you know, you're going to miss your heat or you're going to miss your feature because you're trying to help somebody else. And, and I get it. And, you know, uh, sometimes we lose track of time. Um, but yeah, I mean that just shows that how how close knit everybody is, you know, in the racing community. At least, at least I would say our local community, because um, I mean we can't really speak for everybody. Um, but within the community that we're in, we can say that that's how it is. Um, you know, we can't really talk about talk for any other racing communities uh, that we're not a part of. But from our experiences, um, we've we've never we've never really dealt with any any major issues with people. Um, we always ran it for years with the sprint car. We had to travel so much. We always ran at different places. We never stayed with the same core people or the same tracks or anything like we've done over the past few years with this car. So we really haven't had time to get to know anybody. It's funny. I've been doing this whole, my whole life and. I know less people in my area that I race against than what I do, 
in Houston or Dallas or Shreveport or Little Rock or somewhere like that. And it's just because we always had to travel with, with the type of racing that we did. And this has been the first two or three years that we've actually just done it in our own backyard. And I'm, I kind of wish I'd have done it sooner, to be honest. But I was so stubborn about the car I wanted to race, you know, and it, and I'm I'm struggling because of it. I'm struggling as a driver, but but it's so much it's so much more refreshing to race against the same people week in and week out and, and get to know people and build relationships with them and build trust and, and you know, you go to the track and you know people because we've never got that luxury traveling. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, when we were traveling with the sprint car and stuff, because obviously, um, and for people that don't know, um, here in Louisiana, and I would say most of the southeast, uh, there's not much sprint car, you know, uh, racing that goes on. Um, most of the sprint car racing is going to be in Texas and then going out west. Um, but here, sprint cars are pretty much done like if if they do have anything going on it's more like special events that happen maybe like once a month somewhere but other than that you don't really have any sprint cars racing here and that was part of the reason why we got out of it was because there wasn't enough racing to justify having a sprint car it was just going to be a a lawn ornament in our front yard like in like literally in our garage because we weren't going to be able to really race it because you you ran out once. You're not racing. You might not race for a month. Then there's half. There's part of the season gone. So it's it's opened up my and it's because it's something that's so common for most people that do this, especially around here. You know, you could you got there's four different tracks within two hours. We can go race any weekend we want to. We can pick and choose as to where do we want to. You know, we can drive four hours to Houston or we can drive six hours to Dallas. Yeah. That was the only two choices. And we only have gas money to make it to Houston. Right. Yeah. And that, that wasn't, that wasn't really something that, um, you know, we could afford all the time. Um, Especially at that time, whenever uh, he was racing sprint cars, our girls were, were little at the time. So we couldn't really um, afford to do that all the time. I mean, and when I say little, like they were babies, <laughs> like our youngest daughter, um, was maybe one, maybe two at the time. Like, so they were really little. And so trying to travel with little, with pretty much toddlers, uh, cause our girls are three years apart. So, you know, trying to travel with little kids like that. And then also, just financial means because back then um, trying to travel to Texas all the time. I mean, for us that like Houston's about, a, about four, four and a half hours from here. Uh, Dallas is eight. Dallas is about eight hours from here. So, I mean, that's far to be like traveling, you know, on, you know, almost every other weekend or, or whatever. Um, because that was the closest that sprint cars ran here. So, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, uh, nice to be able to go. I mean, like our closest track is Baton Rouge and that's, you know, that's right there. 30 it's, minutes. That, yeah. It's like t- 20 minutes at the most. So, um, and then you've got, 
Well, you've got Pike County. An eh, hour. Which is, yeah, about an hour. And then we've got, you've got Jackson. You've got Hattiesburg, which we haven't been to Hattiesburg yet, um, but we might. It just depends on if we're able to, but... Um, but yeah, you got Hattiesburg, you got Jackson. Um, you also got um, Thunder Valley out towards Leesville, Glenmora, same thing um, as well. So, and then you also have some further further north. You've got Manny, um, Shreveport. Yeah, you got Shreveport, Chatham, and Chatham. But um, we don't really go up there. Um, that's not that close for us but i mean but you have more options if you choose to not do sprint cars because i mean with the late models they all run the late models so we don't have any issues with picking a track if we want to do something different we can um and so i think that was part of the reason why when he chose to get back into racing he was he chose something that he knew that we could pretty much go anywhere with. Yeah. And I, I still wanted something that coming from a sprint car, because sprint cars are so fast and, and just driving other class cars that are, that are not as fast. It feels like you're going in slow motion and the late model is one of the closest thing to a sprint car in speed. It's still not anywhere near it, but, but I don't feel like I'm going like I'm driving on the highway like you would another car. And I know some guys might get offended by that, that if they happen to listen, but it's true, you know, and if I'm going to get, uh, my feeling is if I'm going to drive a race car, I want an actual race car. I don't want a, a production car that's made to be a race car. You know, and that's not knocking any of those guys because what a lot of them do with those cars is pretty amazing. But I would just, I, I purpose built, you know, I'd rather have something that's purpose built. It's built by, you know, a professional and it's, I know that it's safe and everything else. It's not a bubble gum, well together roll cage in somebody's backyard. <laughs> First time you roll it over, it's just going to fold up on you. Right. So, done a lot of dumb things in my young, younger years and I'm paying for it now. And I just, I, I don't want to hurt anymore. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, yeah, because I mean, safety is always like the first thing. Um, and I mean, you've got roll cages, so obviously that that helps a lot. Um, but that was one reason why you chose the late model too, was because sprint car wasn't as it wasn't as safe anymore. Um, for you to do. And so that's why you wanted something a little bit safer. I took a lot of, I took a few right front tires and front bumpers to the shoulder in the sprint car. And that got old after a while too, but I never really thought about stuff like that when I was racing them. And, you know, I, I get the urge to go back to drive them. That's why it's so hard for when they are racing locally. It's so hard for me to go and run at that track when they're running there, because it just, it's like bringing an alcoholic in AA to a bar, you know, it's hard to, hard not to want to do it. But at the same time, I remind myself, you know, I'm not going to get the race very much, you know, it's not as safe, which I don't, I know I just said, I got to put safety first and I'm trying to do that, but that's usually not something that crossed my mind when I think about that. It's just the fact that 
where are we going to race at? When will we race? And, you know, sprint cars are expensive. They're, I think the late model is more expensive, but a decent sprint car is, is very expensive. And they don't, they don't hold up as well in accidents. And when it's very easy to talk, total one out versus a late model can kind of take a little more abuse. And while I'm learning with the late model, it needs to take a lot of abuse. Yeah. I mean, but don't, don't, don't knock yourself. I mean, you've done pretty well in the, in the, in the late model. I mean, you're doing better, a lot better now. I mean, because you've had a lot of seat time in the car. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, first season starting out, I mean, you were just learning and, you had to really unlearn a lot of things because of coming from a sprint car to a late model. Yeah, no, I'm still having unlearned things. I have to tell myself, I yell at myself constantly while I'm driving, stop doing that, stop doing that, because there's a lot of things that I'm trying to do. It's different. I'm trying to drive off the rear of the car. I'm trying to turn in at the last second, or I'm trying to, you know, use that extra, that that power and that lightweight of the sprint car to to you know make a bold move or whatever and it's not going to stick in the late model like it does in the sprint car. So. Yeah. We've we've seen it. <laughs> we've got the video footage to prove it too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. I and that that's another thing too is um you know when when we race um that that's one thing that we automatically do is either myself or Bianca uh, will record everything. We do that on purpose because, you know, we know that he can use that to refer to and see how he's driving off, you know, you know, what line he's running, everything, you know, how the car is turning, if it's getting up on the bars, whatever, um, cause we, he always looks at it like right after the race. Uh, that's something that we always do. Um, cause it's like right whenever he gets off the track and we run all the way back from the stand, he wants to, he wants me to hand the phone to him so he could see exactly what happened. Well, y'all got a side by side now, so there shouldn't be no running. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, now, now we don't run. We ride back to <laughs> the, the trailer, but yeah, which I mean that that's a lifesaver within itself, because um, depending on what track we're at, the grandstands can be pretty far from where we where we park, you know, in the pits. So yeah, um, I, I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> but yeah, um, so he definitely uses the video as a a way to sometimes change up what he's doing like for the next like for either the heat or the feature or whatever um because we record all of it we record hot labs we record the heat we record the feature every single time so and a lot of us just learning the car because coming from a different car it's setups different and everything else and just trying to understand why it's doing what it's doing and and show it to other people that do know more about it than I do and say it. Okay. So what do you think is going on here? What could I have done better? What do I need? What do you feel like I should change on the car to maybe make that better? So it's the cars are so adjustable. There's so many adjustments on there that 
you have a lot of options to make the car do what you want to do, but you also have a lot of options to dial yourself completely out of the ballpark and just make it worse than what it is. I've made some, felt like I've made some pretty good choices for what I'm learning because everybody that's driven the car or, or looked at it after I've done the things to it were like, it's not, it's not that bad. It's actually pretty good. And considering the problems that I found that I didn't know that I had as far as like the wrong shocks being on it that I knew nothing about, which hopefully that'll help do a big change. Cause the shot guy just absolutely cannot believe I even kept the car straight with the exact words that he kept. He, he told me, you know, there's other little things like that. So, but it's learning. It's fun. You know, if I, if it's not fun, if you're going out there expecting the win every week. And that's one thing that I've come to realize too, is that with the sprint car, we always had a shot to win where we always had a shot to run well. And at the end of the night, when it didn't happen, you always frustrated, you're always aggravated. But with this going in, knowing, Hey, I'm not going to run the front. Uh, it's going to be a while. I got to learn. I got to do this. I'm actually having more fun without those expectations on myself. And as a family, I think we're having a lot more fun too. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I have to agree with you on that one. Um, I noticed uh, when we were running the sprint cars, it, it was, I guess you could say it was almost too competitive that we weren't, we weren't having fun anymore because it was all about winning. It was all about, you know, be making podium, not, you know, and it wasn't really about fun anymore. It almost became more of a job than it became, you know, than it being a, a hobby and having fun. But now doing the late model. Yeah. I mean, we don't really worry about if, if, you know, he wins or not. It's all about like if he did better because obviously it's a learning curve, and even even if like he wrecks out or something like that, it's no big deal because it's like at the end of the day we we still enjoy going as a family, and that's really what matters is that we just enjoy each other's company and being there. Um, and so this is just like our way of being able to do something as a family together. So it it really the outcome of the race itself doesn't really affect us as much. I notice. So I'm always happy at the end of the night, if we've made some kind of positive motion, whether we've passed a couple cars or car feels like we're getting somewhere with it or something like that. If that can happen, I'm, I'm ecstatic. If we ever, if I ever do win one of these, I'll probably be even more ecstatic. So hopefully I can win one before our daughter takes over. She's already eyeballing the seat and it probably won't be much long before I'm retired. You say that, but that child already said that you can't retire and it has to be a father daughter team. So, um, we don't have father daughter team. money. <laughs> but well, I mean, if you get another car, you can always leave the one that you have as a backup. That's pretty much what she's expecting you to do. And you give that to her and then you take the other car. That's the plan. Yeah. That's pretty much what she's expecting. She she doesn't want to do it without her dad. Because she's like, nope, I, you're not retiring. You're going to race. And she probably wants you to end up racing until you're like Red Farmer. Like, you know, like you're going to be like <laughs> 80, 80 years old running in a, uh, in, in a late model. I think that's what she's trying to push you to. I could only hope 
prepare that to happen, but we'll see. You know, you never know what's coming, what the future holds. Yeah, no, of course, of course. But yeah, I mean, overall, I think that, I mean, racing season's about to start. So, how do you feel about it? Like the start of every other racing season, we're nowhere near ready, and we're going to be scrambling three days before the first race to try to make it. So. It's yeah. the same story every Typical. year. Yeah. We're we're really bad about that. Very bad about that. We need to get better though about that though. Well, we need to have money. Be able to, the money to buy the stuff that we need. Oh, I know. I know. Oh gosh. And I mean we're not even gonna talk about we're not even gonna talk about inflation right now because yeah, that doesn't help it either. But anyway, um so yeah. I mean Overall, though, I think I think this season's going to be a good season. I think I think we've learned a lot about the car. Um, obviously, there was a lot of things wrong that we didn't know about, especially with shocks. Shocks is like the biggest thing, and so that's about to change because somebody is get, getting new shocks. New to me, shocks. Mm- yeah, new to you shocks, right? So it so your car should work like it's supposed to for once. Um I'm running out of excuses for being a bad driver is basically what's happening. So Really? You're not a bad driver, because trust me, if you were a bad driver, you wouldn't have been able to hold on to this car with the shocks that you had. So obviously you did something right. Um and maybe that was just from you uh being a sprint car driver, maybe that maybe that helped quite a bit, you know. But um, but yeah, I think this season's going to be a good season though, because now you've got that under control with the shocks, and and you've learned you've learned a lot since since you started. And you were, I mean, just last season towards the end of the season, I mean, you were you were. You had like some really good um, positions, like towards the end, because I mean, you were you were in the top five for um, for quite a few races. So, I mean, I don't see why you couldn't get a podium this year. I mean, you know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> beat Mister uh, Humble over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I'm so glad that you chose to come on here and talk. I'm glad you asked me to or forced me to one of the two. Y'all, I promise I did not force this man to do nothing. <laughs> He's lying. I did not make him do anything. I promise. I don't force people to come on this uh, on my podcast. I do not. I politely ask, and if he, you know, and if he would have told me no, I probably, I probably would have been upset with him though, but he didn't, he didn't tell me no. He said he was, he was perfectly okay with coming on here. So do not, do not listen to him. And if he posts on social media saying that I, that I forced him, don't listen, don't, don't. And I give you, I give you all the permission in the world to bash him on that, on that post as well. 
<laughs> but anyway, no, I'm just joking. But no, really, I do appreciate that you came on and talked about race and season and everything. And yeah, I am definitely looking forward to it. Me too. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, me too. So guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, Obviously, this was a little different. And I normally won't have male guests on the podcast. This is going to be more of a female thing. But I wanted my husband to be on it because um, with this episode being about our family and what we do like in the off season and to prep for racing season, I felt that he knows a lot about what's going on. And so I kind of wanted it to not be just me talking about what we do in the off season. Cause there's a lot that he does that doesn't include me either. Um, and so I thought maybe that would be something uh, that you guys would enjoy. So yeah, definitely let me know what you guys thought about this episode. Um, as I mentioned before, you can find Racewife Unfiltered on so many different platforms, guys. I mean, it's on as many as I possibly could put it on. So we're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on TuneIn. We're on iHeartRadio. Um, fortunately, I couldn't get it on Apple Podcasts. I'm really trying to, guys, but bear with me. Um, and there's so many others, Podbean, I mean, I could go on and on. And of course, on Substack, I mean, Substack is the main one. That's that's our main platform. Um, and you guys can subscribe there and obviously see all the other content that we have um, going forward. All podcast episodes right now um will be free except for the video version of the podcast so what will happen is when i have a guest there will be a video um episode so the video will not be free the video will be paid content but i will make all audio episodes free from now on so if you become a paid subscriber, you're going to get the video version of the podcast. So that's how it's going to be from now on. So, um, so yay, you know, ch- I'm changing things, but I wanted you guys to know that. Um, so look for episode eight next week. Um, and because it is Black History Month, you guys, I am going to be doing the the next three episodes and it's going to cater to Black History Month um, within the racing community. So look out for that uh, and I will see you guys next week.